Are you dealing with the trials of a difficult marriage or going through a separation or divorce? Welcome to the club, friend. Life is messy and it can be hard. I'm Jen Zingmark, a Christian life coach, and I have good news for you. There is a path to find hope, healing, and happiness, no matter what your circumstances are, and I can help you find joy in your journey. So let's go. Please join me for my live weekly coaching calls on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. I share a different coaching tool or strategy every week that you can apply in your life right away. You can also ask questions or just listen in on the call. Go to ldsdivorce.com and sign up today. Welcome to the podcast. I am thrilled to welcome for a podcast interview today, Julie Bachman. She is a Latter-day Saint life coach who is known for helping people get out of the dating game and into a real relationship that lasts. She is the founder of the Dating Interview Project, where she interviewed 120 young adults about dating and is currently writing a book about that experience. So awesome. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. Share a little bit about yourself and your life, where you're from and your background and things so my audience can get to know you a little bit. Okay, here it goes. I was born and raised in Provo, Utah. I went to BYU and graduated in graphic design and illustration. The year I graduated, I got married, which was 1987. 27 years later, I was divorced. I was a stay-at-home mom with three kids doing freelance design work from home. I am currently married to the man of my dreams. We have been married for seven years, and I have been working as a life coach for eight years. Oh, that's wonderful. Good for you. I understand that completely. When I graduated from college, I was pregnant with my oldest son. So I had been married two years by then and pregnant with my first child. Those early starts, they, they just get you going. Yeah. I honestly don't know what it's like to be in college married or with a child or children. <laughs> That's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of crazy, but hey, it's the only way I knew it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like me, you've been divorced. So share a little bit about your story, whatever you're comfortable in sharing about your marriage and you know how it ended and what that was like for you. Uh, when I got married, the last thing I ever wanted was divorce. I wanted a happily ever after marriage and I believe that he did too. And we didn't know how. And as I look back, I think that there were three main things that contributed to the ending of the marriage. Uh, one being a lack of communication. Either we were unable or unwilling to be open and honest with each other. On my part, I believe that I was ungrateful and full of big expectations that led to disappointment and resentment. So ultimately, those three things kept us from true connection and unconditional love. And as I said, I believe that that's what led to the ending of the marriage. Wow. I really love how you own so much of that. I know that obviously took some time to get to that point. Most people don't get divorced and accept their part in a failed marriage. Yes. It took many years of life coaching. Uh, I invested 
thousands of hours and tens of thousands of dollars before that on classes uh, about marriage at BYU Education Week for years, um, self-help books about marriage and marriage counseling. And I felt like that in all of that, I was still really stuck in those big expectations and um, which led to the disappointment, resentment. And I think there was a lot of blaming in there. And I, I just could not see my part. Mm-hmm. When you say the expectations and the disappointment, are you talking about yours? You were expecting yeah. him to change. You were expecting him to make you happy or, you know, make these changes that would then make your marriage good. <laughs> Actually, I think that was the biggest expectation was that he should make me happy. That was his job. Mm-hmm. I just, I didn't get it. I didn't fully understand what unconditional love was. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't a very good receiver of love or giver of love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that, you know, because I didn't feel loved, I didn't believe I was worthy of love. Like somehow I had to earn it. And it was a huge problem for someone who wanted to be married to her soulmate. Mm -hmm. I can see that. I see that with so many couples that are miserable together, but yet they both are wanting to feel loved. They're wanting to be loved. They're wanting to give love, but they don't know how. And it's, it's really sad. So you mentioned coaching and how that helped you. How did you learn to heal and accept responsibility through the coaching and counseling that you went through? I learned how, and this is what I teach as a life coach. It is the first foundational piece. Um, I learned how to be a receiver of love. And with the help of loving life coaches and my heavenly father, I opened up to love. I learned how to receive love. And with that love, I was more capable than of loving others. Wow, that's beautiful. Do you have any strategies, exercises, or anything you could share with someone that might be listening who feels that, you know, they can relate to how you felt in your marriage and they're not quite there yet? They want something they can apply in their life right now to help them start to feel that a little bit? Yeah, I have a um, tangible, applicable thing that you could do. I teach a lot of different ways of becoming a receiver of love and how you do that. I'll give you one of those things. But before I do as a preface, I just want to say that I was quite obsessed, overly focused, I would say, on the scripture. It's in the Bible and it's in the Book of Mormon about charity and charity suffereth long and is not puffed up and all that scripture. I was kind of obsessed with that scripture. And um, one of the things at the end, as we know, we're taught that charity is the pure love of Christ. And I always thought of that scripture as a giver, that it was my job to give charity and that I needed to pray with all the energy of my heart for this love. And so I would start this tangible, practical way to apply this in your life with that knowledge of, you know, praying with all the energy of your heart. And I felt that I was doing that, but not fully understand, standing that what I was praying for is to feel loved. Mm -hmm. And I was praying for that ability to love others. Mm -hmm. It's a giver, but not yet fully understanding I could be a receiver of that love and that I was worthy of it. So 
practical thing that I do with some of my clients is I call it um, getting centered or focusing on receiving love. So what I do is I put my hand on my chest as a loving gesture. I close my eyes. I take three deep breaths. And with those breaths, I simply focus on receiving love. And with that love, I can move out of my head where I'm think, think, thinking all the time into my heart where the truth is. Wow, that's beautiful. And a lot of people are like, wait, what do you mean? And I will typically do that with my clients. It's helpful to do it with someone that you feel safe with Mm -hmm. because you're not alone. You're doing it with someone. And by doing it together, you're forming connection. Right. So is the premise that once you feel love for yourself and within yourself, then you can share that love with your companion and others? Yes. A good question. Thank you for asking. Because I don't necessarily believe in self-love as many people teach it, because I feel like you can't give yourself what you don't have. Right. So this is an exercise in opening up to the love that is all around you. Love comes from God and God gives us love in every possible way he can. And I believe that most of us are kind of like blocking it because we're very distracted and busy, or we really don't believe that we're worthy of receiving it. Mm -hmm. So this is you opening up to love and then an active way of me noticing like, okay, um, one of my mantras is happiness is now, right now. So then I pause and I focus on what is there to be happy about? And then I'm feeling it like, oh, I'm noticing what is around me. Oh, I can see, I can hear, oh, that tree is beautiful or that the scent of, you know, these flowers or the food in front of me, whatever it is, it causes me to hyper-focus. Some people call it gratitude. I feel like it's beyond that. Right. It's really noticing like, oh, everything around me is manifesting love. It's here for me, was created for me. And then I just kind of internally, and I try to stay in my heart where the truth is, And I say to myself, thank you for the gift. Thank you. Again, I'm focusing on receiving. Oh, that's so good. It's beautiful. I can see why it would take practice and unplugging and, you know, separating yourself from all the distractions of the world. Think about how many people in your world who show up in your life and they do something for you whether it's a smile or a giant service project, (laughs) whatever it is, I think that we feel like we need to give back or we owe them something rather than receiving. Like, how can I be a receiver of love and receive the love that's all around me? That's really beautiful. So that makes me wonder, what if someone is practicing that and they are learning to feel love and receive love, but they feel like their companion or their spouse isn't giving it. They're not giving out love. Maybe they've got contempt and distrust and in that situation. Mm -hmm. You would start with like, um, what are my expectations of that person? (laughs) Is it realistic Mm -hmm. to expect them to give me the love that I need? And sometimes I think we all do this. We want love from one certain person. Mm -hmm. And maybe that certain person isn't of giving it 
or maybe they're just not in that moment capable of giving it. Mm-hmm. And that if love is all around, um, you can find someone, one way to find someone outside of the relationship where you expect a person to love you and maybe they can't, is to find someone who can accept you as you are in that moment, whatever it is, uh, with your fears, flaws, and mistakes. I've found that when you feel accepted with those parts of yourself that you're maybe afraid to show, you will feel more loved. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, is that person capable? Are they, you know, willing? Can you drop your expectation that they should? So important. (laughs) Yeah. And then realizing that, you know, love is love. It doesn't necessarily need to come from a certain someone. Oh, that's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Let's talk about your experience after your divorce, dating, being single in the church. What are some of the challenges that you faced and how did you overcome those? I think the first challenge for me was I didn't want to associate with all the people who would be sad or disappointed that I had gotten a divorce. And I knew that there were a lot of people, I mean, I was married for 27 years and we had many friends and award family and my kids and my siblings and parents and on and on. I knew that they were going through a loss and similar to what I was going through, like the breakup of a marriage and the loss of, you know, how this family was defined. And now it's not the same. So I was avoiding people, people that would be disappointed or sad uh, about my divorce. And I knew that in order for me to stay on my healing path, especially, you know, the first couple of years, I needed to be around those people who could accept and love me Mm -hmm. with this new state of being, which was divorced. Like, how do you be divorced? (laughs) It's true. It's kind of like motherhood. You don't know until you're there. (laughs) Yeah. And that I, I knew that I did want to remarry. If I had the chance to do that, I wanted to, and I knew that I was ready and I had the ability to love another human unconditionally. Oh, that's good. Some people come out of divorce jaded and cynical about relationships, marriage, the eternal family, all of it. Yes, yes all of I it. Totally get that. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice to hear that you were not in that place. You had that hope already and wanted to have a relationship again. I did. I did. However, I can relate to the bitterness mm-hmm. and all of it. I mean, I went through those stages as well. Like mm-hmm. I don't ever want to have a thing to do with any Anything close to this because it was so painful. Yeah, I can relate to both. (laughs) I think you can get to that place where you are optimistic and hopeful again, but the, the bitterness and the anger and hurt is just part of the journey. I have yet to meet anyone who hasn't gone through that. It's connected to what you were talking about, those unmet expectations. You know, no one gets married expecting or even thinking they might get divorced, you know, especially in the church. We don't consider that. It's really, especially in our time, it it was not even an option for most people to consider for many years. I think now it's, it's a little more acceptable in the church, out of the church. No one gets married thinking they're going to get a divorce. And so it, it's a big disappointment, a big loss for everyone. 
It is. So what was your dating experiences like? Did you date a lot? How did you meet people? It was different than I expected it to be. I fully recognized and can so relate to most of my clients who come to me with a desire for help and support around dating is that feeling of insecurity and lack of trust and just feeling like I'm a bumbling, awkward, silly, (laughs) like a weirdo. And um, what do I do with this person who's like, I'm quirky (laughs) and I want to be known, but I also have the fear of allowing someone to truly know me. Mm-hmm. I unexpectedly was introduced by a friend of mine to the man I'm married to today. And he and I were living in separate uh, states. We were both uh, pretty newly divorced. And we talked to each other on the phone, not really thinking about, you know, the possibility of dating each other, but more as like support and going through like, what are we learning? And what kind of person do we want to date in the future? I remember him telling me in one of our phone conversations, he said that he was working with a life coach as well. And the life coach told him that if you don't learn the part that you played in the ending of your first marriage you will repeat it again and again in future relationships. And he was just like, absolutely like, I am not, I don't want to be that person. (laughs) I want to know so that, you know, I don't go into my next relationship repeating what I, you know, the mistakes I made before. We kind of learned together and together we also read a dating book, which, you know, spurred on lots of conversations and we became very close, eventually decided to date and we were flying back and forth um, to see each other. Yeah. It was scary. Just like, you know, back when you're in your young adult years and I was in my (laughs) fifties. Yeah. It's scary. I relate to that. Okay. So back up to before you met him, had you already decided what you were looking for? Like, did you have a list? Did you have a clear vision of that person, the type of man or specific character traits that you wanted? And if so, what were those? How did you know what it was? Yes. I had done a lot of, as I said, life coaching and soul searching and all of that. And um, as I got to know myself, I realized that the list of um, values and preferences, requirements and deal breakers, that matters. But it's also changing. It it evolves over time and with life experience. And uh, what I did was I took two standard pieces of information that I felt like would never change. And that was what I call today, two things to look for in a potential partner. And of course, the first potential partner you would look at is yourself, right? Right. (laughs) I took these from the Book of Mormon, where Christ is talking about a new sacrifice, which is going to replace the law of Moses. And that sacrifice is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And in my mind, a broken heart is someone who is willing to be wrong. And contrite spirit is someone who's willing to learn. And I knew that that's like what I wanted to be and what I wanted in a partner. Those are powerful. I've never heard anyone apply those two characteristics to dating 
or looking for a potential <laughs> spouse and applying them to yourself as being worthy as a potential spouse. I love it, Julie. That's awesome. And I realized that I thought that my top value, of course, in a relationship would be love, but I have realized that my top value is freedom and that without freedom, I cannot truly love. Meaning freedom to to choose your agency. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that's directly tied and such a big part of my testimony is the plan of salvation and the whole reason why we are here. Yeah. Freedom. Yeah, I agree with that completely. That is just lovely. I'm assuming your now spouse had these characteristics. So tell us a little bit about your love story, how you fell in love with him and decided to be married. Well, I felt with him when I call him my soulmate. This is not a small thing because for most of my life, when someone said the word soulmate, I would absolutely roll my eyes and want to like, spit. I hated that word (laughs) so much. I did not believe in soulmates. And so for me to say I'm married to my soulmate is kind of a big deal. I love to speak in public settings as far as like, I've spoken to a lot of young adults about dating. And commonly, um, when I open it up for Q&A, the question that comes up, they want to know like, what is a soulmate? And how did you find a soulmate? And why do you call him your soulmate? How do you know he's your soulmate? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question, actually. It is. And uh, my answer, your answer can depend on how you define it. But this is for me. I felt the strongest connection, emotional, physical, spiritual, mental connection with this person And I felt this um, willingness in him to really open up and accept me fully. I've never felt that way with anyone else, like the full amount of trust, full exposure. And I think that um, there was a moment when we were dating that that became very clear for me. I won't go into the details, but um, I have, uh, I don't know what I would call it, a health condition. (laughs) What happens with a health condition is I get um, these dizzy spells and they just come and I don't know when they're going to come. And sometimes they'll come and last for a while. And, you know, sometimes there'll be years I won't have them. And I knew if he saw me in a state of a dizzy spell, I get nuts. I'm kind of a crazy lady. And it's, <laughs> it's the one thing I'm most embarrassed about. And it's the one time where I really don't want to be seen. You know, when I'm going through this dizzy spell, because I don't have control, or I can't like walk straight, or it's embarrassing. And I knew that when he had seen me, I had like a series of dizzy spells over that, you know, a period of three days and then kind of lasted the, you know, the residual, I call them aftershocks. Like it's kind of like an earthquake and it hits me. And then there's some aftershocks for about a week after. And he was with me during that time. And I wasn't necessarily like measuring him or analyzing or evaluating if he could handle it, because I don't think that that is healthy, but I also just like received his ability to be there for me without judgment. Okay, well, this is a thing that happens to you. He wanted to know more about it. How could he help? He was by my side without trying to fix me. And he was there. He was with me in a way that like someone standing next to you when you're like vomiting in the toilet and they're holding your hair back and just going, I'm here for it. I'm with you. And I felt so humbled and so like, 
grateful and closer to him. I felt so close, like he can accept me in my most crazy state still here. And I'll just tell you briefly, um, and I've never, I don't think I've told anyone this. So this is like exposure for me on this podcast. We were walking together and talking one evening on a tree-lined street and my hand was cold. He grabbed my hand and my hand was cold and he put my hand in his pocket with his hand. And I don't know what it was in that moment for you, Jen, that's, it's important for you to know. It was in Georgia. So close to your yes, neck of the woods. A Southern special moment. It was a Southern special moment. <laughs> and that really matters to me because it was just, it had that Southern evening feel. And I think you can, you know what I mean? Yes. He put my hand in his pocket and I knew in that moment that I would marry him. And I didn't tell him at the time. I just knew like it was my soul speaking to me and saying like, you will marry him. And it just felt so good. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you for sharing that. What a tender moment. And I can definitely relate. I described it one time as a soul tie. When I met my husband, it was like, I felt like we knew each other, but we didn't. It was this deep connection. It was just there. And that was a beautiful description of your experience of that. I had something similar. It's lovely. Thank you for sharing that. What would you say to someone who is like, well, I don't know about the person I'm currently dating because I'm not feeling that. I have clients who ask me questions like that often, and I don't necessarily think you always get that. I agree. And I don't think you have to have that in order to find the love of your life and get married. Yeah. I felt like for me, it was a tender mercy after everything I had experienced with my divorce. And my husband was also divorced. And it was this unique understanding and acceptance, like you said, of, of fully seeing each other, accepting each other. And I recognized it as something unique. And I had never experienced before in my life with my previous husband or anyone else. Yes. And I've come to understand in the years since how special it is because yes. it's grown. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I think that the key word is unique. And I love that oftentimes with your podcast and what you do, you talk about life being messy. And I think that ultimately I could have said that in a much more concise way, which was that he was willing and able to accept me with all of the good, bad, and messy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that is such an attractive characteristic and such a charitable one that I appreciate too, and my spouse and in others. It's and a good one for all of us to cultivate. Yeah. And that he was willing to be seen and allow me to accept him with yeah. all of fears, flaws, and mistakes. Yeah. Okay. So tell us, how are you different now in your second marriage? And maybe some things that you learned about your own behaviors that you didn't want to continue, like you said about your husband. He didn't want to repeat his same mistakes. What do you love about your second marriage? My ability to love another unconditionally. That is a huge difference. I think that what pops into my mind is that I laugh a lot. I laugh just in general, but 
I laugh a lot with my husband. It's one of my favorite things about our relationship. I feel happy. I feel free and I'm laughing a lot. And that's a new me. Oh, that's so great. It's just one of the joys of life to laugh and have such a a lightness in your heart and in your mind that you can laugh. I know for me in my first marriage, and especially that time after my divorce, there was so much heaviness and like you, maybe resentment and bitterness and unmet expectations. It was so heavy that I couldn't feel the joy that was there. I did feel joy at times for sure. And I'm sure you did too. But when you carry with you all these negative emotions that you're causing, you also Mm -hmm. rob yourself of those opportunities to enjoy the lightness and fun of life. Yeah. I feel like I'm living on a different planet. It's lovely. I know I want everyone to have that experience. Everyone who's gone through divorce who wants to get remarried. (laughs) I want them to have that experience. Yes. Yes. And it's why we do what we're doing. Yes. For sure. So if you could go back and give yourself some advice, let's say on the day you were divorced. I know for me, that was a difficult day. And for many people, it's a hard day. It's a day no one anticipates. You never can imagine what that's like until you've been through it. What sort of advice would you offer to yourself and others on that day? Oh, gosh, (laughs) there's so much to say about this. Let's see. Uh, I would say to myself, you are a strong woman. Keep going. There will be plenty of people around you, people that are close to you that won't agree with the path you've taken. And that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Such good advice. I relate to that. What about on the day of your second marriage? What advice would you have to someone who's getting remarried and starting a new life with someone? Absolutely. Allow yourself to enjoy it fully without guilt, shame, remorse, feeling like you owe something to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let it go. And I, this is, um, it's so funny, but what comes to mind is this song by Katy Perry, Teenage Dream. Mm -hmm. You make me feel like I'm living a teenage dream. That was the day I got married. I wanted to be dancing. (laughs) It was like the words to that song. Right. Like there's so much freedom in it to be the teenager that I was Mm -hmm. at 50 something on my wedding day. Yeah, that's amazing. I relate to that as well. And I hope that everyone gets to experience that, to find that joy again. And experience that elation of really being confident in who you are, allowing someone else to know you fully, and embracing this new marriage with a much deeper appreciation, understanding for what it means and the value that it has in your life. Right. It's okay to feel like a teenager, to act like one. You allow that kind of joy and freedom into your life. And I do believe it's possible. Absolutely. If it can happen for me, it can happen for you. And I really hold that belief for others who come to me. This is possible for you. And that's where you start with your vision that it is. Yes, I agree. So let's talk about your relationship with Heavenly Father and your faith. How did that change or how did that help you in the whole process from being in a difficult marriage, 
getting divorced, being single? How did your faith play a role in that? I went through a period of, for most of my life, being a little child with my Heavenly Father. And going through divorce and um, all that I did leading up to that brought me to a place of being an adult child of my Heavenly Father. And I found that my more mature way of approaching my Father in Heaven and recognizing that He gave me the freedom to choose and to step into my own life And my relationship with him changed a lot because my prayers were different. How I saw him as a heavenly parent and the freedom that he gave me was such an honor and a privilege rather than like a set of rules to follow. Mm -hmm. As a child, I needed some guidance, but as an adult, I needed more love and recognizing that I was fully acceptable and accepted by God. And that he's with me and that he is a witness to like how I'm going to learn and grow by making decisions and that I will learn from those decisions. He's not hovering over me with his hands on his hips saying, you better choose the right. You better figure out what the right choice is. (laughs) And I, you know, I kind of dropped that whole, like, it's got to be right. And I've got to choose the right one. And rather than just like step into this gift from God that you are a decision maker and start making decisions. Yes, that is so profound. It really comes from a place of emotional adulthood. And I love that. It takes work to get to that point. It doesn't happen when you turn 18 or 21 or 30. It can happen whenever you do the work to get there. Very profound. This has just been lovely, Julie. I have enjoyed speaking with you so much. You have so much wisdom to share. The question that I like to end all of my podcast interviews with is, what does finding joy in the journey mean to you? Mm, I have so much joy in feeling loved and believing that I'm lovable, as we've already talked about, and especially in embracing freedom and aligning my decisions with what I ultimately want, not what someone else wants for me. That just feels like joy to me. Like, wow, I get to choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's so much power in that agency, like you've spoken of. Oh, yes. I want people to know who have been through divorce that I did not know what I was doing. I didn't know how to go through a divorce. I didn't know how to be divorced. And I expected myself to know more. I wasn't very smart about like filing for divorce and getting a lawyer and knowing how to go through that process. And speaking to you earlier, Jen, I realized that that's part of what you do. And it would have been so valuable to me to have someone on my side who could help me say, okay, you need a lawyer. Here's some good ones. Here's what you'll go through. Here's what you need to know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any of that. So I started with a lawyer that was recommended to me and he walked away with thousands of dollars and did nothing for me. Then I had to find a second lawyer. It was also very expensive. And during the time, you know, 
I was separated and I didn't have a place to live. And I was sleeping on my friends' couches and then living in my van, my family mom van (laughs) during the day. And that it came to a place, I came to a place while I was going through the divorce where I couldn't afford to like get a place to live yet. I chose to invest in life coaching and live in my van as a homeless person. <laughs> and I look back on that time and I I think about how happy I was. I was the happiest homeless person ever. <laughs> and I remember thinking like I was parked in this spot. I was overlooking the ocean in my car, which was really my home. I was watching this couple get out of their car and they got out and took some pictures of the beautiful scene. I could hear one of them say, wow, I wish I could live here. And I was thinking to myself, I do. I live here. It might be in my car, but I'm just so happy. (laughs) (laughs) So that thing I think was helpful to know that like when you're going through a divorce to have the support you need in my mind was more important than finding a place to live. Wow. That is so powerful. And I agree. The impact that can happen on your life with life coaching, it's worth more than a home. Like it's worth more to you and your well-being than having a place to sleep at night. I understand that. I recognize that. It's so beautiful to hear you share that story. Wow. I haven't had a client or anyone share a story like that about the power really? of life coaching. You never had a happy homeless client. <laughs> I really haven't. And then no. I think lastly, I just wanted to include, I wish I had known how important it was to have negotiation skills and that the two people who helped me the most going through my divorce and especially during the mediation process were two friends who helped me for free. <laughs> I'm paying my lawyer, but I felt that she wasn't really on my side. And this the mediator certainly was not. So I had worked with these professional negotiators. That's basically what they did for their business. And they helped me understand what negotiation was and how to do it. I wish I had known. I guess I would just like to pass that on. I think that's so wise. Thank you for sharing both of those tips. So important. Please share with us and my audience how they can get in touch with you if someone is wanting help with dating, all of your information about how to find you. Oh, please visit my website, (laughs) juliebalkmancoaching.com. If you click on the resources tab, you will see I offer some things for free. And one of them is a downloadable, cute little something you can print out that is happiness is now right now. And you can hang it on your wall, turn it into a sticker, put it on your laptop as your like screensaver Mm -hmm. image. And it will remind you to tune into the love that is all around you. And so I offer that to your listeners. That's where you'll find it. And I'm also pretty active on Instagram, which is uh, lifecoach.julie. And I'd love to hear from anyone who wants to know more about how to get out of the dating game and into a real relationship. Thank you so much, Julie. I have enjoyed chatting with you today and really learned a lot and appreciate everything that you've shared. So thanks for having me. It was fun. Yes, it was my pleasure. If you're ready to dive deeper into this work, 
and learn the tools and the skills you need to change the trajectory of your life forever, go to LDSDivorce.com and sign up for a free consultation with me. This is just the tip of the iceberg, my friends. There is so much more. I would love to work with you and be your life coach.